When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And right now we have a lot going on. We're trying to get ourselves back on the road, but it just, it's not going to happen right away. (laughs) We are in a building, changing, growing season. If you guys follow the YouTube channel, you'll know that we just had a baby. Ooh, and she's the sweetest little baby that babies could be. Yeah, and so we had to wait until 10 p.m. to record this so that we could put her to sleep before doing so. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to babies, there's no like written formula and like how it works so you just when you get a minute you got to do what you got to do and so here we are making this podcast for you guys to get this content out for you and uh yeah let's let's talk a little bit about how that went alex how was yeah. how was the birthing situation so we figured today we would go through Bringing Everly into the world, the plan for that, really kind of like the healthcare for that, because that's a big question that people have actually reached out to me asking, you know, having a baby on the road, how do you do that? And then our personal birth experience. And then let's talk about where we're going to be going with the baby. Yeah. And how we're going to be getting to these places with the baby, right? Yeah. So like our plans for the future. So diving into it, we found out that we were pregnant in well, we got pregnant in Panama, found out in Costa Rica. Hold on real quick. I just want to say that if you guys want to like be up to date on exactly what we're talking about in this conversation, you could go check out the birthing video and then you get a really like good sense of what's happening, what's going on and what exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So we'll link to all that down below. But yeah, so we were very international when we first found out we were pregnant. And when we were traveling down there, we had health insurance through Spot Health Insurance, which is really designed for if you break a leg or you're hiking or some kind of activity. Yeah, it's more sports-based. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, so it was kind of really just like a cover-our-ass insurance. Actually, when I got sick in Costa Rica, I tried to use Spot, and they wouldn't cover it because it was food poisoning. So it wasn't related to a sports-related injury. So they didn't cover it. So just imagine, like, the birth of a baby. I don't think it's going to be covered. No, that's definitely not something that it would cover. So... We were kind of in a situation where we knew we were pregnant. You know, you just buy a pregnancy test and you take it and you're like, okay, I'm pregnant. And yeah. then um, 
So that was really actually nice. We found out when my whole family was visiting us in Costa Rica. So they had flown down. We drove all the way down in our van. Um, and then they came to visit for two-week vacation. And during that two weeks, we found out we were pregnant. So that was really a special moment to share with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took us, uh, what, seven months to drive down? Yeah. Eight months to drive down? Yeah. Yeah, so it took us eight months to drive down, so like get down there, be relaxed, and like get pregnant, and then share that information. You know, just life changing information because our lives changed on the way down there as well. Just like experiencing all these different things on the way south, and experiencing different cultures and people, and the kindness of strangers in this world. We just absolutely loved it, and and then to like bring back news with us of we're bringing a baby into this world was I feel like it's so special and we're so lucky that we had that opportunity to uh, create this baby in Panama I feel like yeah it was kind of like the beautiful kind of like I don't want to say end to the trip but definitely like changed our focus because Mm. originally it had just been exploring all these places meeting new people you know getting to know the local cultures getting to know the local foods and things and just really enjoying our nine country and nine month adventure which turned into eight countries in 10 months if you guys have been following along yeah but when we found out that we were pregnant it kind of like sped things up and it was like all right well if we're pregnant What's the plan? Where are we going to have this baby? How are we going to have it covered by health insurance? You know, what does that look like? I mean, it did for a second cross our mind. Maybe we should have the baby in Mexico or in like another one of these countries that we were in. And then we have, uh, what do they call that? Uh, It's like a citizenship by birth kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but they call the baby like a... They called the birth of the baby something specifically. I forget oh, what they I do call know what it. you're talking about. Come on, come on, help me out with this, baby. <laughs> come on, uh, anchor baby. Yeah, anchor baby. Yeah. yeah. How could I forget that? This used to be anchor, but now it's podcasters. So <laughs> we had an anchor baby. Um, oh, we could have had an anchor baby in the sense of you know one of the countries in Central America, Mexico. And, um, and so basically what that means, an anchor baby, you could have your baby. There's a bunch of different countries in the world where when you're born there, you're automatically granted citizenship. So say we had the baby in Mexico, Everly would have been a Mexican citizen. And then she could apply for us to get our Mexican citizenship because she is a citizen of Mexico. And basically with that being said, we would like automatically become citizens of that place. And... We, we did throw around the idea of that for a little bit, but not necessarily there, maybe another country. But, you know, we decided all in all we were going to have the baby back in Canada, which meant we had a huge trip ahead of us to make our way, you know, all the way back from Costa Rica when we made the announcement all the way back to Canada. Yeah. And how long would that, like, take? We really didn't fathom at the time. Yeah. And so a lot happened in the interim. It took us about... Six months to get to Canada between selling a van, buying a van, swapping an engine, breaking down, doing that whole business. Um, And then we ended up paying for a doctor's visit in Mexico, which was really nice. When we got to the States, we signed up for some interim health insurance through the health insurance marketplace, um, which anybody has access to. It's the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. And so we were in Florida at the time. So the limitation with the Affordable Care Act is that it only works in the state that you are applying in because it's state by state. Mm -hmm. So we would have had to stay in Florida, which is uh, where our residence in the States is. And then be there for the entire pregnancy and birth. Which is fine, but then you're talking about spending a lot more money. But then we went to the doctor to go check out what, you know, 
what our situation could be. And just to get a meeting with the doctor would have been $1,500 right off the rip. Like no ifs, ands, or buts about it. $1,500, pay it, and we'll see you until your birth of the baby. And that doesn't include the birth of the baby. Yes. Or any ultrasounds or, you know... I don't know, med like uh, blood tests and things like that. So it would have been $1,500 just to see the doctor and then like extra, 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 extra. And then the deductible probably was quite a fair amount of money. The deductible was very high. It was like $9,000 or something. So no matter what, the baby would have cost at least $10,500. Yeah. And we're going to get into it in a bit, but the birth actually ended up being a little bit more complicated. So it would have been very expensive to have this baby in the Americas, America, United States, America, the United States specifically, because uh, in Mexico it would have been much cheaper and in Canada. Yeah. But in Mexico we would have been paying completely out of pocket, but I don't know what it would have been. It would have been less than America, probably even less than America with insurance. Yeah. Which is so funny that, like, we're talking about having a baby and we're talking about, like, money. But that's just kind of, you know, if you're not from the United States of America, I'm not. I'm Canadian. So it's just the system is doesn't make any sense to me in terms of, like, oh, we're having a baby. It's a beautiful thing. How much is it going to cost? That's kind of what it comes down to in America. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of the time people just leave, like, outstanding debt through the uh, healthcare system. Or and really, they does have that like, benefit anybody? No, or they have full-time jobs where it's like covered. Yeah. But even when I was working in corporate America, in New York, both of the ladies next to me had babies while I was working there. And both of them spent about $5,000 out of pocket with good insurance mm-hmm. from a company. So, you know, anyways, we decided that we didn't want to have the baby in Florida. And being that I'm a Canadian citizen and we have plans to kind of relocate back to Canada, have the support of my family and friends here um, while having the baby because it's definitely been very helpful to have family and friends nearby with, you know, the pregnancy and also having the baby here now. So we knew that we wanted to do it in Canada yeah. because of all of those reasons and also the amazing healthcare system. Yeah, there was a lot of benefits to, you know, having the baby here in Canada. And when it comes to having a baby in Canada, it's different than the rest of the medical situation, I would say. So for instance, like if you just had a cold and you you went to the hospital to go get checked, it's going to take many hours to be seen where if you're having a baby, you're full emergency status. So like you're seen immediately, they take you right in, they get you ready for whatever it is that's needed. The doctors and the nurses and everybody are so responsive to you. So like it's, it's definitely much different than like the normal everyday healthcare. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just a whole different ward of the hospital. And I know there's some limitations in terms of like a lot of people don't have um, general practitioner doctors. It's very hard to get, you know, a family doctor. There's just not enough family doctors. And so people do end up in emergency for colds or in walk-in mm-hmm. clinics for all of these things. Um, so there are limitations. But in terms of having a baby here, it was actually a really seamless, easy process. So before we get into you having the baby here in Canada, let's get into like what you were going through on the day of like starting labor. You know, because that's something that I feel like that we haven't even talked about much. Like, I experienced it with you, uh, but, like, we haven't talked about what that was like for you. Yeah, so, okay, let's go, like, leading up to it. We, or I, have always wanted to have a natural birth. 
I watched this Ricky Lake documentary a million years ago called The Business of Being Born um, and just really wanted to take the medicalization out of the birthing process. I thought I always thought and do think that giving birth is a beautiful process. My body was designed for this. You know, it's something that I've always wanted to experience just the whole aspect of being pregnant and giving birth. And um, so I really wanted to do it naturally. And so we set up a healthcare team between um, hiring a doula and um, getting a provincially paid for midwife to be our birthing team. And so the Mm -hmm. whole time we're talking about how we're going to have a you know, a natural birth, no epidural, no interventions. And so I had this all in my mind and we hit 40 weeks, which is, you know, full term pregnant, 40 weeks. I was feeling really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a little bit tired and like, you know, you look good too. You weren't just feeling good. You were looking good. Thanks, babe. Um, yeah, but like we were still kind of working on the van. We were still doing stuff every day. Like, I wasn't like a lot of people get to the end of their pregnancies and they're like, oh, my God, like get this baby out of me like I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I was really feeling like I'm like, I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel strong. You know, I'm not in any rush. I want to let the baby do what the baby's going to do. And, you know, I'm just going to wait it out. And so with the midwife, she you know, she's fine with it. She's like, do you want to do a stretch and sweep or anything like that? Which is basically where they would go in and kind of like. You know, see if the cervix wants to open up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see if you're dilating in any type of yeah, way. Yeah, just like check it out. And I, you know, I just had this idea. I don't want any interventions. I want any everything to go completely. I just want my body to do it itself. I don't want anyone poking around. Yeah. Um, so I said no. And we, she said, okay, if you hit 41 weeks, we're going to have to go do some ultrasounds just to make sure that the baby's okay. But, you know, go home. Do you. Do you. Do whatever you're doing. Like, you seem great. Don't worry about it. Um, baby's going to come when the baby's going to come. I do want to say, I just want to give, like, one of our YouTube comments that I read recently was something about, like, midwives giving, like, this unrealistic birth plan expectation for people. And I, I want to talk a little bit about on, on that, like, with our midwives that we had. They were amazing. And, like, they, didn't, they said you could have a plan, but, like, expect that anything else could happen. And they like kept kind of drilling that in coming up, leading up to the birth that like anything could happen. Like these are the things that, you know, would have to have, you would have to intervene if X, Y, Z happened. I also felt like every visit that we had with the midwife, we learned something new about like, okay, if this happens, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is something that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And if that thing goes wrong, then this is the X, Y, Z that we're going to have to do because of that. And so I do feel like they set us up with like these expectations. But like, I think just, I wouldn't blame the midwives. I would blame like culture generally, Um, you know, especially in the natural birth forum. Mm -hmm. Like I was listening to this natural birth podcast. That's like, it's all about having the plan and having the right mindset and all these things. And like, you kind of like buy into the woo woo and like the, um, what's it called? Like hypnobirthing. I bought a course on hypnobirthing and that too was like, make your plan and have your plan and write it out. You know, what's funny is, uh, that was my exact response to the person was like, I don't think that it was really the midwives. If anything, I believe they gave us great information that set more realistic expectations for us where I think it was the internet, you know, like the internet 
sometimes sell, they're trying to sell you shit. Well, yeah, too. <laughs> you and, know what I mean? Like, and also it kind of felt like I was trying to like brainwash myself into yeah. like, you know, only watching positive birth stories and only seeing, you know, the good side of birth and like the, in the courses that I was taking outside of the midwife, it was mm. like, you know, you need to be single-mindedly focused on like having this like natural birth and not being afraid of it. And if you're afraid of it, then that's what's going to stop it from happening naturally. And like, you know, kind of like saying that if you don't prepare enough properly, that that's the reason that you're not going to be able to have this natural birth. Whereas the midwife was like, here's like 40 medical reasons why a natural birth might not be possible or why we have might have to intervene in like certain different ways But like, yeah, like if that's what you want, we're going to honor your wishes. Basically, it's like the Instagram form of van life compared to, you know, when you search out all the different things of van life, you know, like the way that we tell the stories of van life is, yeah, sure, there there are amazing, great moments and there's quite a few of them, but there was also some really rough moments and... Unfortunately, sometimes that happens in pregnancy too, you know, yeah. not, not all the time, but sometimes. And, and for Alex, you know, she had one of those moments where, you know, her plan didn't go as she thought it would, as many other people might experience in, in the van life situation. Yeah. And I feel like now that we've seen all these comments and stuff too, like, I don't know, I think people don't tell you. Before you get pregnant, they're like, yeah, 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 have a baby, have a baby, come have a baby with me. We'll have babies. It'll be great. We'll all have babies. Is it because they want you to experience the same, like, all the emotions that are underneath the sun? Because that's what I feel like that's what a pregnant woman, like, experiences is all the emotions under the sun in, like, a single moment. Yeah, I don't know. I think, too, like, even my sister, she was like, you know, you don't know until you know, yeah. you know, yeah, true. <laughs> she's like, like, yeah, like I've like, I know how her labors and deliveries went. But like after mine, I was like, girl. And she was like, I know. She and knows. I was like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, it's not something you can really tell. Alex was like, she hit a chest <laughs> twice and like peace <laughs> eyes at respect. You know, respect. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I'm in this like you know, bubble of like, I'm only listening to natural things and I'm only like open to the idea of natural birth and like all these things. And so we're 40 weeks plus five days. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the evening before we were, we watched a movie. It was like a Netflix movie. I don't even know what it was called. It was one of these like sappy romance things. Yeah. And by the end of it, I was just like sobbing. <laughs> I was like, it's so beautiful. Mm. And, like, you know, I just had a lot of emotions. I was still like stone cold, you know, killer mode. Like I didn't <laughs> cry over nothing. <laughs> Little did I know I was about to cry real soon. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think that my uh, emotions and potentially my hormones were a little bit high at that moment. Um, and I did have like a little bit of like discomfort, like kind of like you feel like maybe your period's coming on a little bit, but nothing crazy. So, you know, we just went to bed and whatever. And then uh, I would say that you started saying to me, like, I think I'm having like, you know, I'm starting to have small contractions. Yeah. Like I'm like cramps. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but nothing crazy. But so by like 11 a.m. the next day, it started definitely being like, whoa, that's a contraction. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually I downloaded an app to start tracking them. And so you you start the app when the contraction starts and then you stop the app 
like it's a timer basically so that you can see how far apart your contractions are and how long they are because the whole thing is you don't call your midwife until your contractions are, I think it's like 411. And I can't remember what that means at this point, but it's like, you know, for at least an hour you've been having, you know, contractions every four minutes or less that last at least a minute. Yeah. And so that's how you know that you're really getting into labor. Mm-hmm. And so mine were not that close together. They were maybe like five, six, seven minutes apart, but they were only lasting for like 30 to 40 seconds. And while this is all going on, one thing that the midwives tell, told us is like, when you're in this part, you can be able to talk through contractions. You're going to feel like pretty good. And then once you get into this moment of like, you're not able to talk during contractions, that's when you're in labor. You know, like yeah. that's when you've passed that early labor step and now you're in active you're labor. In active labor. It's now time to call the midwife, see if they come over, or you might just have to go to the hospital just or to the birthing center or wherever you're, you know, expected to have your baby. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say that during uh, Alex was going through this early labor, she had, the, once again, another plan of what she wanted. And we made sure to fulfill those plans. So she was making tea for herself. She made, I think you made muffins. Right? Yeah. I just, yeah, those, the whole the, thing those is. Muff- for herself, stop. Those muffins were delicious. They were very good. They <laughs> were chocolate chip. Thank you for that. <laughs> so basically my whole plan in early labor was to, keep everything as normal as possible, try to keep myself distracted. So I'm making muffins, I'm walking right. around the house, I'm folding laundry, yeah. I'm, you know, I think we played a game. You called your sister over for tea, you said one of the things you wanted to do was have tea with your sister. Yeah, I wanted, her, I wanted her to be involved a little bit, so she actually came over with her kids, we all had dinner together as yeah. a family. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, so that was really great. And then... She was about to go home, your sister and the kids were like about to leave, they, they, ch- they stayed like 30 minutes longer chatting for whatever yeah reason. after dinner everything you know the dishes are done whatever we're all just hanging out on the couch like frank was sitting i was laying with my head in his lap um still having contractions every five minutes but like yeah. throughout the whole dinner throughout the whole day throughout the whole night like we, we were, were just all laughing nice and yeah, chatting really awesome. and everything was great and like with the kids there we were talking about like is it going to be a girl or a boy and you know just like you know, what's that going to be and what kind of a cousin are you going to be? And like, you know, just having like a beautiful evening. Um, And then I'm sitting on the couch and I, you could kind of like feel a contraction coming on. Like it's like a wave is kind of coming. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have another contraction. I should grab my phone to like start the app timer. And instead of a contraction coming, I feel this huge gush of water and I'm like, whoa, like, Literally zero control over it. It's huge flood of water. I don't know how she made it off the couch without getting that couch wet, but she did. She jumped off, was like, oh, my water broke. And yeah. then psh, puddle of water on the floor, basically. Almost like the movies, in a sense. Yeah, you know? which is wild. So I don't like. I had lost my mucus plug earlier in the day, yeah, which yeah, just kind of happened in the bath. Like I went pee and I looked down and I was like, oh, wow, what's that? Guys, if you like don't like things that are kind of like. Birth is weird and gross and juicy. Yeah, like that thing was <laughs> definitely like juicy and like like mucusy, obviously. Yeah, the mucus we, plug, we, but we it don't have like to explain that. It looked that. like a slug in there, you know, like yeah. of, of different colors. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, but when I thought I was like, Ooh, I'm excited. Cause it means that things are kind of like moving along. And then when the water broke, a, it was the coolest sensation. It was like, 
whoa, like, I don't know. It was like riding a roller coaster or something. And then I'm like, I was laughing hysterically. I feel like it just like a wave of like excited emotion came over me. I was so happy. I was laughing. It was about 15 minutes of laughter. Yeah. And like, and then I couldn't get up or move for a little while because, you know, off the couch, I rolled onto all fours and then I was laughing so hard and the water was just kind of flowing. A bunch of towels got put under me. I would say one of the reasons why I don't think she wanted to move either is because she didn't want to like get the whole house wet. Because every time she would stand up, more water would leak out. You know, it's, it's this motion that once your water breaks... Water continues to come The dam out. is open. It's open, yeah. You just flood. The floodgates are open. The dam is ripping. It's like, you know uh, those videos where they open the dam for the first time in 100 years? No. <laughs> no what do you no. watch on the internet? <laughs> They're really funny because it's like uh, this like sludge that kind of pushes oh, out first. It no. doesn't look like that. But, <laughs> but it's like. It, well, sort of it kind of did. It's just like. Okay. <laughs> so anyways. We're laughing. Everything's great. Finally, I'm like, okay, I think I can stand up and make my way to the bathroom to kind of like clean up a little bit. So I get up, I get, well, I don't think there was a huge puddle on the floor either. Like there was towels and it was kind of all getting soaked up. I was wearing a pat, whatever. So I get to the bathroom and I pull my underwear down and I see that like, it's all like brown. Yeah. It was like a greenish color, greenish brown color. So we knew that like something was wrong. Honestly, my heart just sunk. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. And, like, like, when her heart sunk and I saw it, my heart sunk because I know, like, that this could be merconium. Yeah. You know? and, and this could be a reason where we have to go to the hospital. And then the birth plan that Alex had in place just completely gets killed. Yeah. Right there on the spot. So our plan was to go to the birthing center at the midwifery clinic, which would be zero intervention. There's no anesthesia there but you can labor in the tub and whatever so that was kind of the plan but I'm so just thinking about it now that would have been so intense yeah <laughs> just the thought of it but, but also I think that like I don't know I was in such a good headspace at, yeah up until this point I was in such a good headspace I was feeling excited and happy and you know whatever and then I saw that the waters were not clear and that mm. instantly put me into like anxiety panic, worry. Um, we called the midwife immediately and you page them, they call you back. Um, and then she was like, okay, I'm on my way. And then I called the doula to basically tell her the same thing. Like, I think it's marconium. And, you know, so we made the plan that we'll see what the midwife says and then we'll go from there. Yeah. And, and so make the calls to the people, the midwife is like, I'm immediately on the way. The funny part is with the midwife, I left a message. And for some reason in Canada, my phone has this like thing that happens where the sound gets muffled really bad, whether it's me talking or somebody else talking through the phone to me. And I guess I came through the phone like, like on her answering message and luckily she decided to call me back and said hey did you happen to call and i'm like yeah i did you know i left a message just what's going on told her everything she's like all right i'm on my way so she immediately came out you know and then when she arrived the benefit of the midwife too is that they come to your house yeah so you could labor at home if you wanted and the thing about the midwife too i was going to mention this earlier you have three choices with the midwife. You can labor at home completely naturally. You can labor at their birthing center completely naturally. Or you can labor with them at the hospital and then have 
some of the benefits of the hospital, but also have, you know, you could have an epidural. Also, yeah, what was great about that, too, was since the midwife saw us at the house, then we go to the hospital, you go directly into a room. The midwife is already there. She's already set you up, like, in the system. So you're not, like, fighting through the different things just to get to a room. Like, you're already on the way there. They do a little triage on you, make sure all the stuff is right, and you're they strap you up. And well, you're, you're, ready, you're getting ahead yeah, of yourself. Sorry, sorry. Okay, so the midwife shows up, and we go, and she does a check, and she looks at the you know, the waters. And she's like, yes, this is a hundred percent merconium and it's thick. Mm -hmm. And so what merconium is, is basically baby's first poop. And it's normal for them to do it inside of you. It's not good. And sometimes it can mean that the baby is stressed out. Um, sometimes it can mean that the baby's been in there for too long. And so, like I said, I was 40 plus five, so I was definitely overdue. So it's more common to happen when you're overdue. Um, and it just makes things more complicated because it can mean that your baby's lungs are going to be clogged when they come out. So she basically says, you know, because of the merconium, we cannot deliver at the birthing center anymore because, yes, we have an infant resuscitation station at the birthing center, but they don't have everything there that the hospital would have, right? Yeah. And so we've, you know, crossed the barrier from normal, great, everything's normal, pregnancy, things are probably going to be fine, to, okay, now we have an increased risk factor that things might not be fine, so we need to move to the hospital. You can still deliver naturally. You can still do all of these things, but it's in the best interest of the baby to have all of, you know, the medical stuff there just in case things are a little bit more complicated. Yeah, and, like, going with a midwife is, you know, not because you're against hospitals. We're definitely not, you know. Well, 70% of their patients deliver at the hospital. Yeah, yeah. It's just to have, like, a person who is literally a specialist in just delivering babies. And also, it's a way more personalized thing. Like, For sure. we have such a good relationship with our midwife. We just had our last appointment with her, actually, and I was, like, crying when we were leaving. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm going to miss her so, so she. much. She's, so like, she. such a nice lady and whatever. So... And they know you. It's just you, it's just such a more personal experience. So obviously she's like, I know that this is not what you want, but, you know, these are the reasons why we need to go to the hospital. I'm going to meet you there. Like, don't worry. Things are going to be okay. Um, so at this point I was disappointed for sure. Yeah, I remember having a, like, hug up on Alex and just tell her, like, hey, listen, you know, your plan is still in effect at this moment, you know, like – all we could do is just be here with each other and help, I could help you out and whatever you need. Like, what do you need? You know, giving hugs and love. And I could tell she was super disappointed. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I wouldn't even pack a hospital bag <laughs> until like I was 40 weeks, literally probably like 40 weeks on the nose. And I was like, okay, I guess I should finally pack a hospital bag just yeah. in case. Um, but so I'm glad that I did because it ended up being very useful. But um yeah, I was like, I really didn't want to deliver in the hospital. It just, I knew that there was this chance of like the cascade of interventions to be going on, um, which is ultimately kind of what happened. But yeah, 
Um, so, uh, when we just, t- just, I wanted like the natural, I just wanted to be in the tub and like have beautiful lighting and yeah. like just be so like calm and everybody, you know, I don't want to like beep, beep, beep monitoring and like documentary styled <laughs> <laughs> the perfect birth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, recall this, you know, I would think that we had the perfect birth anyway, but let's continue uh, with this. We we slowly get ourselves ready to leave the house. And one of the things that did stay, you know, normal was the drive to the hospital. It was, it was very relaxed in the car. It was night. There was not many cars on the road, which is what Alex really wanted. Mm -hmm. It felt like we were kind of on the road together with nobody else around us. Mm -hmm. Even like when we hit like the little city area, there was still like nobody on the road. And we hit like every green light. Every green light on the way. It was, but I wasn't rushing. I was actually driving the speed limit like almost to the T because I wanted to feel relaxed. You know, because most of the time you do like eight to 10 kilometers over uh, when you're in Canada driving. But, you know, in this case, I really went the speed limit and we played some music and paused it and chatted a bit. Just, you know, making sure she's feeling good. and Trying to stay in a good headspace, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah, that's really all it was for is to stay in a good headspace. So then we get there and the duel is there. And she's, she's like, oh, happy and I'll, we're I'll happy. What, yeah, I'll take whatever you guys need. Like, how are you feeling, Alex? You know, she was really nice. Um, yeah, and then and then we make our way up into the hospital. Yeah, and the midwife met us right at the intake and took us into... They didn't have um, a birthing suite ready right away, so we just went into, like, a random room. I don't know what you would call it. And she hooked us up to the monitoring which, again, I didn't really want continuous monitoring, but now that you're in the hospital and the merconium, blah, 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 she, you know, she's like, this is kind of what we have to do. What's crazy is there's, like, 30 rooms in there of, like, birthing, you know? Yeah, I <laughs> mean, lots I mean? of like, people make babies. There's that. There was no room available, so that means there was that many people in there. And a lot of people are even doubled up in these rooms. You well, know? the birthing suites, no. Yeah. So there's a lot of recovery rooms. Ah, Gotcha. Yeah, and I guess there's a big intake room, which is the one that we were in, because there was yeah. like six or seven beds in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the recovery rooms, there's they probably have private ones, and then they also have semi-private, and then they have shared rooms. Shared, yeah. Um, and then, but the birthing suites are a lot bigger because you're gonna probably have more people. Like you're gonna have nurses and doctors and all the equipment. Oh, okay. And yeah. stuff so you're like talking that. about the one that we went to after the little like. Uh, intake room. Yeah, so in the intake room, basically that. all we did was like take my temperature, take my blood blood pressure, um, strap the baby up to the monitoring, mm-hmm. and then you could kind of tell that Jeanette was not happy with the like the readouts of the heart rate of the baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, once you get in there, they strap you up with all these different devices and they just kind of monitor the contractions and the heart rate of the baby and also of the mother. Um, but when you're paying attention to the contractions, you'll see the heart rate kind of move up and down, but they are looking for a baseline for the heart rate to stay at. Yeah, and so there is... It's normal for the baby's heart rate to go down when you have a contraction, Mm. but then it's supposed to recover in a certain particular way, and then it's supposed to level out, and then, you know, whatever. You would just have this normal pattern. And and she was mostly doing that, you know? But there was also some, like, atypical 
you know, dips and valleys, right? And so Jeanette was kind of like, oh, like, I don't like this. And she just kept, like, moving the monitor. Like, she's like, oh, maybe it's not, like, picking it up right or whatever. But, like, she never, she was like, uh, like, it's not bad, but it's not good, you know? Yeah. Um. So, anyways, that wasn't very reassuring. Mm-hmm. And then finally... I don't think it was that long, maybe 30 minutes to an hour. One of the birthing suites opens up. And so we get moved over to the bigger room. Yeah. Um, and the doula can come in and see us there because she can't be with us in the intake room because it's too small. So we get to the bigger birthing suite. The doula comes in. She was really great. She started doing like um, reflexology on my feet, which felt really good. Yeah. And she was like holding my back and whatever. So we get on the monitoring in there. Um, and basically, you know, things are still not looking great for the baby's heart rate. And so what? I was just going to say, like, uh, Alex could tell that it wasn't great too, because of my face, I was like, I was not trying to hide anything from Alex at this point. I wanted her to like to tell by my facial, cause like she can't see the monitor. So I wanted her to be able to tell by my face, like that it's not going as good. Or it's going, or it's going really good. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wanted her to f- like know that. I didn't want her to be surprised because one thing I know about Alex, she doesn't really love to be surprised about things. She rather kind of know ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of read the room. Like yeah. between you, Jeanette, and Sarah, the Zula, everybody was just staring at the numbers. So basically, I'm sitting in the bed and I'm looking out at the room, and everybody else is facing me, looking at me. And then looking up at the computer screen that's basically above my head, and they're all just, every time I have a contraction, they're all staring at this computer screen, watching the numbers of the baby's heart rate go up and down, and, like, not looking happy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, like, fuck. Yeah, yeah. And so we tried so many different positions. Maybe the baby would like this position. Yeah, like, we'd be in one spot for a little while, and then Jeanette would be like, mm, like, this is not... Baby doesn't like this. Let's move to a different position. Yeah. And then we'd sit there for a couple of contractions. She said, baby doesn't like this. Let's move to a different one. So we were kind of like, you know, shifting around and doing all these things. And then uh, eventually the OBGYN comes in and she says, she's like, can I do an internal check? And I said, yes. So she goes in there and she sees that I'm not dilated at all. Yeah. Like I'm literally like one centimeter dilated. You're supposed to get up to 10 centimeters dilated. Yeah. And she's like, you're not dilated at all. The baby, that means that you're very far away from labor. Mm-hmm. So what she wants to do is give me Pitocin or oxytocin to she basically it intensifies. to give you that, right. but she can't because- of the baby's heart rate because basically that induces labor, but she was like, the baby's not in the right position. The heart rate's not right. So we need to introduce something else before we could introduce that to like try to create labor for you. Well, basically she said, we can't give you the drugs cause the heart rate. Yes. So we should have a C-section right now. Yes. That's and exactly I was like immediately destroyed. De- oh my God. Like I was just like, so upset. <laughs> She's getting upset right now about it. And that's fine. Like, you know, you could have those feelings about it because it's like reminding you of that right now. Yeah. Well, so it was just so defeating. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we've only been here for like an hour or two. Like, I'm barely in labor. Like, yeah. you know, like I could I can do this for a long time. Like, this is not that bad. And you're just like walking in here and being like, yep, we're going to have a C-section. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? We just I just met you. 
Literally, hey, she walked into the you. room. It was like 30 seconds. This is crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. So get on that table. Let's do a C-section. Oh, my God. It was so stupid. <laughs> so I was like, I feel like you could tell that I was destroyed by this information. Yeah. And so I, Jeanette, the midwife, was kind of like, you know, trying to, she's like, trying to soften the blow a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you know, is there anything else? Like what, what are our options here? Like, and you could see the OB reading the room too, as well, seeing that like Alex really wanted a natural birth. So she's like, okay, uh, you know, there are a couple things that we could try to do. They like continue on on this natural birth process, but like, you know, She's I'm like, basically, she certain. was like, I don't think they're going to work. Yeah, but. she's like, I'm fairly certain that, you know, you're going to wind up having a C-section. But, but we could give it a go. And so one of them is, you know, putting a tube inside, getting it back up into that area where you could basically, you're basically making it like the water limb break. So you basically, know? you're putting a catheter inside the cervix and flushing it with fresh water yeah yeah and so because my water broke the baby you know it loses its ability to move around right like it was sitting in this like big water bubble and now there's not as much water in that bubble and so it's harder to move it could cause them more stress yeah and and they were worried that the baby was in the wrong position which in you know in the end she was she was in like a transverse transverse position and that transverse position you would never be able to push your baby out through the birth canal yeah. So, but we, I don't feel like they really told us that at the time. Like, no, I know but that, she didn't. I don't think they know, like, that they're in that position until they didn't open they do you an up. ultrasound. They did a they did an ultrasound, but you still can't see like where the baby's head exactly is. Like, you can have an idea that the head is in the right downward position, but you can't see that it's turned sideways. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, they, they unless they did, like, a 4D one, yeah. I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how they would know exactly where, like, the position of that head is unless yeah. they're able to, like, open you up and see. And so when they opened you up for, well, we'll get to that, but... They they don't know exactly where the position of the baby is. So by monitoring this heart rate and seeing where that heart rate goes, they could tell that the baby's being stressed. So with that being said, you could tell that the baby is in a bad position. So ultimately Or I don't know, there's a million reasons why the baby could be stressed. Sure. The cord could be around their neck, they Correct. you know, the merconium could be which, causing them problems. Which once again she wasn't like, Oh well the cord's wrapped around because of you, the Well you can't really like, tell. Can't, exactly. Yeah. So if you can't tell that, how easily could you tell that the head is twisted. Well, sideways. that's a giant bone. I don't know. You'd think you'd be able to tell that. But so any, I think they did mention that she was not, like she was head down, but I don't know. Anyways, yeah. it's, the time is such a blur when you're it there. Is. It is for me too. So I can only imagine for you because you're going through like all the emotions. It's the baby's inside you, you know, it's your birth plan. Yeah. It's all these things that, that are you, you know, related to you specifically. So, you know, I, I could see how, how that could be even more of a blur yeah. than even what I was in. Yeah. So we do the water thing. Um, and basically we do that. We kind of, again, we're moving into a couple different positions. We're trying to get the baby in a happy place. And I would even say that at first that started to seem like it was working. Like it, it started off pretty promising. Like the heart rate was getting better. It was getting higher. It was staying in the area where it needed to be. But then all of a sudden... Like, it was just, like, 
it was so up and down mm-hmm. after a while. And I just remember staring at this, you know, computer screen thinking like, oh, man, is my baby going to even live? Like, I don't oh know. It's just God. such a it's such a weird feeling. Like it's, you know, you're watching this heart rate and then you see the heart rate kind of stop. But the, but it's not really stopping. It's just like the monitor is not picking it up anymore. You know, and then all of a sudden, boop, 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 like it comes back up and you're just like, what is going on? And the only way you could like understand that situation is if you are a nurse or a doctor that has been around it a bunch of times. Yeah. I was totally like zoned out at the time. I was trying to because the contractions were also feeling more intense and I think also because the situation had gotten intense and I went from this place of like really happy to like really stressed out and sad um so I had the headphones on and I was trying to listen to my meditations of you know breathing and things like that and then keeping my eyes closed trying to just like tune everybody out because like I could just see that everybody was you know scared or worried or whatever um and I was trying to keep myself not feeling that way mm-hmm. um but I think just you know I was also scared and worried and yeah. stressed out um and so I don't that- know if I was like scared but I was more like upset for you if that makes sense mm-hmm. like I wasn't like even the moments of like you know am I going to lose my baby? I wasn't scared because I knew we were around all the right people and stuff and, like, I knew it would work out however it needed to. But I was more just, like, worried for you. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that makes sense, but I was mostly worried for you. Well, I mean, you know me. You don't necessarily know the baby at that point. You know what I mean? Like, And, yeah, like, I was, I don't know. It's, like, it's definitely a weird feeling because... Now that we are parents and we do have the baby, like, it's very different of, like, the care for the baby. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whereas I feel like when you're pregnant, it's still about mom. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, obviously, the baby is, like, vitally important and, like, you're only a mom because this baby is there. But, like, I don't know. It's just it's a different feeling of, like, actually having the baby in your arms versus only knowing the baby in your belly. Yeah, for sure. And, like... You know, mom is so important, baby's so important. And, like, now I also even understand the importance of dad in in this place. You know, like, I was always the one that's been there for Alex and always, you know, whenever we needed something, I figured it out, I guess, you know, type of thing. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would say that, uh, like, being a rock in certain situations and, and you know, I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but... There's definitely a need for both parents, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, like... I mean, it definitely makes things way easier, for sure. 100%. And, like, even just during this whole thing, like, having you there with me and, like, holding my hand and, yeah. you know, just hugging me when things were going wrong yeah. and, you know, just having that other person is so, you know, important. So, obviously, things don't go as planned and next thing you know dr doom shows up again yeah. you know probably like, an hour or two later i don't even know how the time okay it's time she's like base she's like the heart rate is not good and you're you know she checked my cervix again she says your cervix is still not dilating and it probably wasn't dilating because everly was in the transverse position Correct. she couldn't be like pushing down on my cervix to help it ripen so they head, say. yeah her head wasn't in the right position to go any further so that's why she wasn't dilating. Yeah. And the contractions were getting stronger. So which, 
you know, almost at a point where she couldn't talk. So that means that she's going into active labor. Yeah. And I will say like being able to push the baby out at that point, I think because of the stress and stuff, whatever. And also just because the labor was moving, the contractions were getting more painful. And so I was like, hook me up with the gas. (laughs) Yeah. And the gas was actually like great. Somebody said that that depletes your B12 and something else. Sure. Um, so yeah, they were like, make sure to replenish that. Okay. I was like, yeah, I, th- I think I think she did. Yeah, but at the time, because like, I was like, oh, I'm not going to need that. I always like, I feel like when I watch the birthing videos, even some of the ones in the tub, like they would use the gases as well, and I was like, oh, that seems kind of nice because it seems it's like very low intervention. They said uh, you lose B12 and also makes the pain more intense after. Oh. Something along those lines. Well, that's weird. Like, you don't have the pain now, so you have the pain later. There was definitely one or two times where I think I huffed a little bit too hard, and I was, like, lightheaded. Like, I was like, whoa, (laughs) I'm on something. I should have been like, yo, let me get a hit of that, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, so that was nice to have that. I was thinking, like, if we ever did it again, it might be nice to be in the hospital just to have the gas, you know, when things get really intense. So I feel like after that, we told Dr. Doom, like, hey, can you just give us a minute? Like, Well, so Dr. Doom shows wife. back up, and she's basically like, I feel bad calling her that because we just saw her again the other day, and she was very nice. She's a very nice lady. At this particular moment, I was yeah. like, I fucking hate it's this right, lady. It's right for the situation. Yeah. So she comes in, and she's like, listen, the heart rate is not looking good. I'm not... I don't like where this is. She's like, it's not critical right now, but if we continue on this path, it might become critical. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to end up in a place where you have to have an emergency C-section, which is much more rushed, much more stressful, much more, uh, you know, like you just won't have any choice. And then we're just going to move into it. Well, and it also makes it harder on the doctors themselves. Because there's like a time crunch. Like this baby is like dying in there. Like we need to get it out now. So... She was basically like, my recommendation is that, you know, you know, we've tried everything that we can. The baby's heart rate is still not agreeable. And I can't give you these drugs that would help. She's like, you're nowhere near pushing this baby out. And I can't give you these drugs because if I do, it'll make your contractions more intense, which will make the baby more stressed out. And the baby's already stressed out. So at this point, you know, you're... You could be 24 hours between before your cervix is ready to, like, go. So we need to move now. So we, like, asked her if, you know, we could just have a time to ourselves to just talk it over, get ourselves ready for this, you know, change of plan. And if you know Alex and I in any way, if you watch the videos, if you listen to the podcast, we're really good at rolling with the punches. Like, we're really good at... A plan changes, and we figure it out. We make I a new guess. one. I was we, just we so are. We're sad. really good at that. I know you were. And, um, you know, I just wanted to just hug my wife and make her feel a little bit better if I could. And I could tell how defeated she felt. And, like, how, not just defeated, but I think that she thought she wasn't good enough, which is not true at all. Well, I, th- I don't know. Everything's so heightened in that moment. And also— when she was feeling my cervix, she was talking about how it felt like there was scar tissue on the cervix, which was probably from a leap procedure that I had done many, many years ago from having an abnormal pap smear. They went in and like burned out some abnormal cells, which could have scarred my cervix, which then 
is the reason that it's not opening. And so I'm blaming myself for having this procedure like a decade ago that also wasn't even my choice at the time. But see, once again, this is like a momentary thing because I believe that if the baby wasn't trans uh, transverse, right, then maybe it opens right up. And then you don't even know about the scar tissue. Right. And, you know, once again, it's just something else that you're like putting on. She's putting on herself. That's like, oh, it's my fault. You yeah, know? but that's how I felt. I, I know felt that's like how you felt. I felt everything was my fault. I felt it was my fault that... I couldn't push the baby out. I felt that it was my fault that my cervix wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. I felt that it was my fault that, you know, I was having to have this C-section and, like, that I, like, couldn't do it, that I was a failure. I'm letting you know that it was not your fault for any of those things. Yeah. And everybody else says the same thing, too, that are the professionals in this. Yeah. And actually, you were told that you were a great candidate to have a natural birth as well, even after this. Yeah. You know, so I I know. I, see, like, I know that you're you're listening, but you're not really, like, taking it in. I know. It's just it felt like I, I think, it. you know, it was again, it's like I this is what I want, the, you know, the natural birth. And I'm like so yeah. ready for it. And I'm prepared for it. And I think I can handle it. And I'm, you know, and then it was just like, no, that's not what's going to happen because your body's not getting there. And then you blame yourself for your body not getting there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I. I dislike that for you, know. you know, like I dislike that for you. I know that that's you're you're allowed to feel the way you feel and that's OK. But I dislike that for you because I know that those aren't the reasons for it. Like I know it deep in my heart, in my in my being that that's not it's not you that wasn't able to do it. It was the baby. Yeah. It was the way she had her body turned. You know, and it's as simple But, like, was as there that. something that I could have done? Like, no. should I have been, no. you know, I don't know, the second no. half of my pregnancy, being on my hands and knees the whole time, you know? When like, you listen to other people's stories about birth, no, there's absolutely nothing you could do. Like, literally, a baby decides what position they're in when they're going down and out of that birth canal at whatever given time they decide to do it. And whether or not it's the right way or not, that's going to change up whatever your birth plan is. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Like, even the people that want to have C-sections, they still have natural births, even though they schedule the C-section. Yeah, I know. And I mean, I mean, after the fact, like, we've gotten so many really personal comments on the YouTube video about, you know, other people's stories. And it's definitely, you know, I'm not alone in this club. Like, it seems like everybody's birth plan just goes to shit. And I'm like, why do they even get you to write one? Like, (laughs) it's like, you know, at the time, like, it's just going to whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Well, and so, like, we decide, okay, Alex, I mean, I don't know if we really decided, but we literally, I had a great big cry about it. Ultimately, you decided it, though. You said, you know what? It's okay. This is what has to happen. You said that while laying in the bed. Yeah, because... You don't have another choice at that point. You did still. You you did, but there could have been your health and the baby's health at the end of it. Right, which is how I think they always frame it. Like, well, it could have been that way. Yeah. You know, like what happens if the baby can't come out and then the heart just stops? But then also from all of the, you know, intervention, blah, 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 it's like they always scare you with like your baby's going to die if you don't have the C-section. Well, they didn't like <laughs> say that specifically. They said it would be an extremely difficult birth and like this is the way that we would like to proceed. 
Right. You know, like you're making it a lot more dangerous at that point. Right. Which is so at that point, it's like, I don't really feel like it was a choice. Sure. I feel like it was the only option. And whether I said yes or no, that that's what was going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, though, is I'm grateful for the fact that they have these different abilities to birth babies. Because what happens if we weren't able to? I know. I guess that's where I'm trying to get at. I know, but yeah. I'm just saying in my headspace at that, at time, that time and still yeah. now, it was not a choice. Yeah. It wasn't like, yay, chocolate versus no. vanilla. No, it was you not. Know, it definitely was it not It was that. like, this is what we need to do, it and was, you know, like, are you ready to do it? It was more like one of those flavors of ice cream versus like a pile of hot shit. <laughs> Ridiculous. So... I'm like, all right, uh, this is, you know, at that point, you're just like, I don't, I have no control over anything. And like, this is what it is. And like, whatever, like, let's go. So they roll Alex off and now I'm kind of behind the pack and I give Alex some love before they roll her into the room. So at this point, Alex has to go in and get a um, spinal uh, uh, numbing and that is going to numb her, you know, basically from her boobs down pretty much right yeah like it, it's pretty much like chest down uh she gets numb so she can't feel anything in this that part area sucked this part had to suck because i wasn't allowed in there so basically so. it's like frank's not there the doula can't come the midwife is there which is nice so at least i had her but like it at this point everything's just rolling it's all medicalized they roll me into the room i don't know a single person in there except for the midwife i feel like they're pulling out a needle that's like i didn't eight see inches it. long at least i didn't see it like a thick needle so now i'm feeling like very alone very stressed out i'm still having contractions it's not like your labor just like goes into pause i'm still having contractions i'm still very upset Um, so I have to sit up on the side of the table. The midwife is standing in front of me. I give her, she's like, come and like hug on me. So I hug her. I'm like, you know, my face is resting on her chest. And then the doctor is behind me putting the, whatever he put into my spine, um, to freeze me down below. Yeah. Having a contraction through all of this. So that was super fun. And then they lay you down on the table and they strap your legs in. They, you're basically like in a T like in a cross because now your arms are down on the table Mm -hmm. and (sighs) I'm still alone in there and everybody's just kind of walking around and you know getting all their preparations and blah 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 and talking to each other about what they need to do and you know all these things I'm just laying there all alone and they like start poking at you right well so then they like you can feel them like rubbing some kind of cold liquid on your body. It's a decontamination uh, liquid. Yeah, it's like, like a, you know, something to disinfect the areas. For sure. For like making sure that everything's clean for the surgery. Yeah, and they can feel like, I don't know, you can like feel some things happening down there. But so then. It's like that brown fluid. What, I don't know what it's called. Iodine or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So yeah. then they. She pokes me a couple times and she says, can you feel that? And I said, yes. And she says, what does it feel like? And I says, it feels like 
the tip of like an exacto knife, like a very sharp knife. It feels like you're poking me with a very sharp knife. Probably what it was. Yeah. And she says, they're like, okay. Um, and the anesthesiologist is like, okay, just wait a minute. Let's just, you know, let the, let the drugs kind of like kick in. Mm -hmm. Um, so another, like, I don't know, a couple of minutes goes by. They test again. She says, can you feel that? I say, yep, still feels like you're poking me with a knife. And she's like, hmm, like, this isn't good. Um, because apparently if sometimes the, the spinal tap doesn't take, then they just completely knock you out. Yeah, you have to, they have to put you to sleep, basically, in order to get the baby out. And then it becomes, once again, more dangerous for the baby. And for me. And for you. Uh, because they have to knock you out with the right amount of drugs. And and then so by knocking you out, they also are knocking the baby out. The baby, yeah. For whatever reason, I guess that's how the drugs work. Just, if, you're just connected that yeah. way. So really the midwife after the fact was like, I'm really glad that the anesthesiologist was super patient and like waited for the drugs to kick in because it sucks when they have to completely knock the person out. Well, and then also on top of that, I wouldn't be allowed in at all. You know, during the birth procedure. Right. So finally, I guess it took, they're like, can you feel that? And I was like, no. So they, I guess at this point, let Frank back in. Yeah. And this is when it becomes like more of a pretty unrealistic event. Like you just don't realize that you're in this position. What do you mean? Like I walked in, you're laying on the table. I could see you cut open. You know, your belly's open at this point. I take a quick peek that way, and, like, I see you laying on this table, like, almost confused, you know, and, and scared and convulsing, like, shaking. Oh, yeah, like we didn't mention that. Yeah, like, I, when you have this uh, freezing happen, like, I guess maybe it's something with your nerve endings or something, but you feel, like, cold almost, and... and I was freezing cold. And you cold. start to shake, like, you know, somebody's cutting into your body, and you can't really feel it, but your body's noticing it, so you're, like, your I don't know if that's what it is. are making you, like, bounce, like, your arms because are Because I don't think it had anything to do with them cutting into me. I think it was just the drugs make your whole body convulse. And it's crazy, because it's, like... I don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I'm like just trying to comfort Alex and tell and her she's okay. And then I'm crying the whole time I'm like too. Looking her in her eyes and I'm keeping my hands on her chest and I'm like trying to like have her feel my warmth, you know, from me, from my body. My and teeth are chattering. She's chattering away and like I feel them like kind of tugging back and forth and I'm watching like her lower half kind of move back and forth. But There's I a can't big sheet up the lower half because of the the sheet. And Alex is like, What's happening? Like, what are they doing? And and I'm like, they're trying to get the baby out, you know? And she's like, I feel so weird right now. Like I don't feel right. And I'm I'm just like, Well, you know, in my head I'm like, Yeah, they just shot you with some shit and they're talking at your body and like you can't really fucking feel it. So of course you you know, don't feel right. But, I'll, you know, I can't say that, obviously. So I'm just like, you're okay, baby. Like, I love you. You're doing great. You're <laughs> so, so good. You know, I, like, oh, you're so good. You're so beautiful. You're about to have this beautiful baby. And I'm, like, trying to say all the right things to make her feel a little bit better about the situation. None of it's fucking working. I'm just, like, <laughs> in my head. I'm like, I, like, I hate this. I hate everyone. Like, I just want this to be over. Yeah. Like, when is this going to be over? And then you can just feel them, like, yanking on your body and, like, 
pushing and, you know, like I couldn't feel them cutting, but you could just feel so much pressure and movement and like you're getting jerked around. Well, and the pressure is like create like a fake contraction so the baby knows to like come out. Like it, it, yeah, like I guess it's something with the lungs too. Like when you get when the baby gets pushed through the birth canal, there's a lot of pressure on them, which helps the lungs like clear out fluid and like be able to like have that cry, you know, when they come out. Where in a when if they just kind of like gently pull the baby out of your stomach, they call. I've realized after they apparently they call it the sunroof. So when they take the baby out of the sunroof, um, that they don't. They have to give that pressure to help the lungs kind of, like, expel some of the fluids. Yeah, and so the other crazy part about it is you have no idea, like, what time it is when you go in unless you check it. And then it's you like have being no, in a casino. You, you have, have no, no idea. idea what time you come out of there. So it feels like maybe hours have passed, but maybe 15 minutes has went by, 30 minutes, an hour. I don't know exactly, but like... Time doesn't exist time in the does, hospital. Yeah, time doesn't exist in this moment, I would yeah. say. More the so whole time, anything. I feel like, since the moment we got to the hospital to the moment that yeah. the baby came, I have no idea what happened to those hours. Uh, yeah, you know, for the most part, I don't. I do, I do realize the hours after the baby's born. So once the baby's born, it's like 3.45 in the morning, um... Or 3.44 in the morning. 3.34 in the morning, actually, is what it was. <laughs> Sorry. But, but like, at that moment, like, the, the crazy shit is, is done. So it's like... Oh, for you. Well, for me. Well, so this is what I'm saying. So for me, this is when I start recognizing, like, what time it is. I don't know how long I was in there for. But, like, like trying to be there with you and help you through that moment. And then the baby comes out, right? And And... They give the baby to me after they've cleaned. Well, first off, they sh- they're like, the baby's here. Like, come take a look. Do you want to cut the cord, Dad? And I'm like, of course I do. And so I pop my head up over the, you know, the screen. <laughs> I'm going to call it the sheet, you know. And I pop my head up over and I see the umbilical cord and I immediately look and I see a little vagina. Oh, um, hers. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like... Mine was probably out too. Yeah, ours was. Much, I said little vagina. You know, <laughs> <laughs> not that yours is big by any means, but it's much bigger than a baby's. Uh, and so I see, you know, a little vagina, and I, I'm like, baby, we had a girl, we have a girl, and like, you know, um, I cut the cord, uh, which is kind of a, it's a really cool experience, honestly, just like. I'm like, am I like, where do I cut it? Yeah, but they're also like right they're here. like, don't touch anything. Yeah, like, don't touch anything. You're but only cut allowed this cord. To- so I'm like, with the scissors, I'm like, okay, here we go. And as I'm cutting through it, it almost feels weird that you're cutting through like a flesh. So I'm like, ugh. But also at the same time, I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. So I like cut the cord, and they take the baby away. I sit back down with Alex. And they start the procedure of, like, cleaning because there's, like, all this marconium in there and stuff, too. So they have to, like, clean everything out fully so that way there's no, like, bad bacteria, anything in there. They take the baby over to an area to, like, make sure she's breathing right, take all the tests, and then they bring the baby back over to me. During this time, they're, like, sewing Alex up and, like... I don't know what they were doing. Cleaning you up. And, And so now... The baby's coming over to me, but before the baby comes to me, I, like, look down, and I see this this cylinder, right? And it must have been, like, a vacuum cylinder, 
and it was a vacuum to suck up all the stuff and the blood and whatnot. And I'm I'm I look over and I see like this thing pretty freaking full. So I'm like thinking to myself, like, holy shit, that's a lot of blood and that's a lot of like stuff in there. And so, you know, then I get the baby and I'm like overwhelmed. Now I'm getting like hot and I'm holding the baby. I'm trying to like put the baby real close to Alex's face. And she's basically like, I can't do this right now. Like get the baby out of my face. And like, I'm trying to like get like skin to skin in some type of way for Alex and the baby, just cause like, I know that's part of her birth plan that she wanted. And, and you know, I'm not able to give that to her. So then like a few moments go by, Alex is kind of touching the baby with her hand. She's trying to touch the baby and I'm like trying to push the baby in there. And then Alex is like, I, I can't anymore. So then I, I tell the nurse or the midwife to come over and take the baby. Cause now I'm like overheating and I feel like I'm about to faint. <laughs> so like, can you take, can you take the baby? Like I'm getting over hot and like, I don't want to drop the baby. So she takes the baby back over to the thing. They do some more like you know, measurements and weight and all that crap or whatever they were doing, just cleaning the baby real good. And I put my head down right next to Alex for a second. I took a couple deep breaths and then I started to like rally back and I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. Whatever you guys want, you can bring the baby back over. And Alex is just going through it all at this moment. I just felt so alone. Yeah. Even though I'm right there, you know, the baby's there. The people that we, you know, had the faith in to have around us to that have been there for us. Alex is feeling like so alone in this moment, you know? Yeah. Okay, babe. Take your time. Talk about it. It was just really like a strange, like it's like everybody's looking at you and like I'm in the middle of the room and, but like I, it just didn't feel like I was there. Like it felt like I was like, it's like it, a piece of meat or something. Like, yeah. I'm not important. Like, I'm just, I don't know, like, just the vessel or something. And then, you know, everyone's so excited about the baby. And then I'm still shaking uncontrollably and freezing cold and just, like, super emotional. And then, like, getting my body is just, like, not my body anymore. You know, like, people pushing it and shoving it and pulling at it and doing all these things. And then they're like, here's your baby. And I'm like, I just, I can't. Yeah. What I find so interesting about that, right, is you are the center of attention in that moment, even though it feels emotionally like you're not, uh, because the baby at this point is good. Like, you know, she's crying, she's breathing, she's doing all the things, she looks good, there's no ab- abnormalities, like, they're not worried about the baby at this point. And, but at this point, they're sewing Alex up, they're worried about you, they're making sure that you're clean, that you're all these different things, and I could understand how you're feeling the way that you feel, but also at the same time, you are very much the center of attention to everybody that's in that room. <laughs> Something just touched my neck. I don't know what happened, like a bug or something. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, but you are very much the center of attention in that room, but you just don't realize it. You know what I mean? No, I don't know. I feel like 100% of the attention just, like, shifted to Everly, which makes sense. And, mm-hmm. like, whatever. I feel like that's, like, mom life is that, you know, it's all about the baby now. But What's like dad life, too? I'm just, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was... It was horrible. Like, I was just laying there 
zero control or advocacy. Like, I have no control over my body. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you say I'm trying to touch her head. My hand is shaking uncontrollably. Yeah. I can't touch the baby. I can't see her. The lights are so bright. I'm just like, I just feel like I'm an island. Yeah. And all this stuff is happening around me, happening to me, happening, you know, and I have zero control and zero I don't know. It was just, it was such a horrible feeling. Like, it was like all of my power got taken away from me. You know, I didn't birth this baby. That's basically what I was feeling. Yeah. It's like, I didn't do it. I'm sorry, baby. You know, I know know it still obviously has an effect on you right now, as you can tell by the emotion. Um, But you did birth that baby. Like, no. I know you don't. I know you don't feel that way, but the baby came out of you. You the baby was born. You can't. You carry that baby for ten months. You know what I mean? Like you, you had that baby inside you. Made sure that it got fed well. You made sure that it was healthy. You made sure all those. Yeah, things I just happened. still feel like you know the baby got born. I didn't birth the baby. Yeah, I, I get that. That's fine. Um, that's okay for you to feel that way. Well, I, and then you left with the baby. Yeah. Well, and I then to. I was there alone again yeah. for mm-hmm. like another hour. Yeah. Just on the table. There nobody's talking to me. Mm-hmm. I'm complete like nobody. Yeah, I'm, you were gone for about another twenty-five minutes. It felt like a really I fucking know. Well, long like time. Like I said, in that room it just feels like it's like solitary confinement. And I'm like, I literally am asking, I'm like, what's happening? And everybody's just ignoring me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't exist any, like, uh, like, yeah, I'm the center of attention and everybody's like focused on me, but they're, they're, they're focused not, more on their they're job. focused on my organs. Yeah, they're not yeah. focused on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my emotions and my feelings. Well, and, like, so that's the thing. They're not focused on your emotions. They're focused on you physically. They're focused on like your body and making sure everything's going back and right. So that way when you do recover, you know, your fucking spleen isn't attached to you. You know what I mean? They're like, they open in your organs to get to where they have to get to. So, like, they have to make sure everything's in the right spot. So it's very intense for them as well, too, I'm sure. Sure, but, like, also they do this, you know, multiple times a day, every day, probably. Sure, but you want to make sure that they have their full attention on that. Because yeah. Because they take their attention away. I'm just, like, fully alone. Maybe they should have somebody in the room that's, like, there for the person you know, like, hey. Yeah, and I'm sure the, right the now, midwife was still there, but the midwife yeah. was, I think, the, did Jeanette go back with you? Um, Sarah came back with me. Okay, so then Jeanette was still in there. Jeanette was probably in there. But, but she was probably she wasn't, making sure you were good in but the like, sense of this area. Yeah, nobody was talking to me. I was mm. just literally, like, shaking uncontrollably. Also, at the same time, I don't know if Jeanette was still in the room with you or if she might have went to, like, go fill out paperwork or something. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea where anybody was. But maybe, like, with that being said, you know, to keep women from feeling this way, maybe there should be somebody in that room that's, like, you know, answers your questions, like, you know, if you're like, hey, what's going on? Or just, on? like, a play-by-play of, like, yeah, here, like, this is yeah, what's right going to happen. You, it's probably just going to take a couple more minutes, Yeah, blah, right blah, now blah. you're getting sewed up. You know, we're going to get you in with your baby ASAP. The doctor's just got to make sure everything is right and yeah, sealed. Yeah, no, they did nothing. blah, blah, blah. You know, because I know And that, I literally, I was like, how much longer is this going to take? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm... It... I mean, you could give all the... Nobody's listening from hospital administration to, like, help make this different i know obviously but you know i i guess all i'm trying to say is that if enough people feel this way they might there might be somebody inserted into a position like that you know yeah i don't know the, for just, the well-being of humanity <laughs> yeah 
Because then, like, you don't get any of that after, like, you know, we didn't get skin to skin. We don't get, like, the breast crawl. We don't get, like, you know, any of these, like, connection moments. Yeah. So, like, the first little while with Everly, I did not feel connected to her at all. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, my, like, what is this baby? Yeah. What I find interesting is I, I feel like I gave you a couple of tips that I feel like helped you out quite a bit. You know, like, one of them was just breathing with her. Mm-hmm. You know, like breathing her air in and then breathing out to give your air to her. I felt like you said you tried that and it really helped you connect a lot more with her. Mm-hmm. But that was like day two or three or something, you know, like mm-hmm. after. Because so uh, however long I was in there more getting stitched up and whatever. And then they roll you back into like the recovery room. Um, and so Frank's already there with the baby i'm doing skin to skin with the baby i'm trying to do all the things that we wanted to have with the baby that like i even asked alex like is it good if i do it then she's like yeah please you know do that before we had the c-section you know i asked these questions because i wanted to make sure that i was doing things that she wanted you know i didn't want her to feel like that I was taking some away from her either. No, but I also feel like you and I were just on two different, like, like obviously you were worried about me or whatever, but I think you were also, like, super excited to have this baby. Of course I was. And I was just, like, so dark. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's definitely understandable to be in so polar opposite places when it comes to the birth of a child because, like, you know, maybe... It could have happened the opposite way, too. Like, if it was a natural birth, Alex might have been on cloud nine where I was like, what the, what just happened? I could have been passed out on the floor. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I just think that naturally, a lot of the time you wind up, you wind up in polar opposite different places. I don't know. I think that if we had had it naturally, we both would have just been excited that the baby was there. I don't know. I don't think there's a, like a where that you would be on any kind of emotional level like I was on. No, no way. I mean, obviously, it's much different. You're going through the actual experience of birthing this baby. I can never understand that. As a male, I can never understand that. And to, like, even fathom that is, it's just not a thing. Yeah. I think it was just, it sucked. I don't know. And then so I come in there and then they like I'm still shaking uncontrollably and you can actually see it if you when you watch the video, like my teeth are chattering. Yeah. And I'm like freezing cold. Yeah. Um, and, and you then, can see that there's not like you're not having that raw emotional connection that you would like to had. You know, you are more. Uh, I think you were grieving the process. Yeah. It was just like, you know, nothing like. All the things they talk, like this flood of like emotion and the oxytocin and, you know, you're going to be so bonded with your baby and, you know, all that. Like I was like, I don't, I didn't get any of that. She didn't get any of the good bacteria from my, you know, birth canal. We didn't get skin to skin. We didn't get like a super delayed cord clamping. You know, she had to wait for however long I was gone to get fed. So Mm -hmm. she didn't get fed for the first like however long of her life. You know, she's, like, crying because she's starving and, like, I'm not there. She did take to the booby real quick when you got in that room. <laughs> well, because she was hungry. Yeah. But, like, normally that doesn't happen that fast, too. Yeah, just, like, I don't know. Like, it just felt like a, a lot of things that I wanted got taken away from me. And I was, 
you know, super hormonal and like, you know, jacked up on all these drugs now and just really not feeling good. Yeah. And so I guess what we're getting at is like, you can make a birth plan, you can do all these things, but just understand that uh, you got to be realistic with it. You got to really think that so many different things could happen in this process. And same with your, in your life, you know, whenever you're going into a new adventure or anything that you're going into, like you could plan for things, but realistically it's, doesn't happen according to the plan a lot of the time. Like mm. you have to be able to roll with the punches. You know, as I said earlier, you got to be able to, you know, figure out the ways to step up to the new adventure that's being presented to you. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, from all the conversations that we've had with people post C-section is that like, you know, for your first baby, you have all these like ideas and plans and things like that. And then for your second baby, you're just like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you realize that like you really have no control over how things are going to go. You know, I think on the like happier side of things, I think you have to count your blessings and be grateful for the fact that we live in a day and age today where you can have, you know, an intervention that saves you in your baby's life or, you know, because you don't know what the outcome would have been otherwise. Like if you if you didn't have that, you know, those doctors there today. Yeah. And, you know, Alex's perspective uh, or how she feels today is definitely much different than that day. Yeah, that generally. day sucked. The next day was also pretty gloomy so and next dark. Next week was tough, but the fir- the next, like, three, four days were definitely gloomy and dark. Yeah. Things definitely got better every day, but it was hard. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely even, like, a moment in time where Alex was like, hey, I don't know how to talk about this. I'm going to give you my journal to read or my diary to read and I was like I don't want to read your diary (laughs) like I want that to be your own personal information but if you feel like there's something that you need me to read like I want you to point to that specifically and hand it to me right when you're done writing it and then I can read that specifically and give you right back to you ultimately I never want to read it Mm -hmm. but um I think that's because you know, I put that bowl in your court of like, hey, if you need me to read it, then you you literally show me that spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. How'd that make you feel? Um, I don't know. Not heard. Not heard, really? Yeah. Because hmm. I feel like I was like, I want you to understand where I'm at. I mean, at this point, it doesn't necessarily really matter. I would go I back feel and like read it, though. Yeah, I mean, if I went back and read it right now, I would probably be like, whoa, whoa, it was pretty dark. Like, I was literally like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you obviously don't have to say it here. I'll go back and read it. I, I don't want you to not feel heard. That wasn't my intention. My intention was to not go into your... Yeah, but I guess I was like asking you to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was literally like... Saying here, I want yeah. you to understand what I'm feeling, well, and you were like, now. "Eep, I don't want to read this." Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't like, "Eep, I don't want to read this." It was like, "I don't want to go into your journal." 
I just don't want like if yeah, you wrote but it I mean, on like, a separate, I like highlight. I like there's literally a piece of string in it that's like this is the page. Okay, you know. But like if there was like a separate piece of paper, I feel like I'd been more willing to. Not I. I missed the bucket on this one. Obviously, I mean I should have read it when you asked me. I thought I was doing a service by saying, you know, show me exactly where you want me to read type of thing, or like tell me tomorrow if you want me to read this type of thing. Um, so I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. I apologize for that because yeah. I want you to be heard. Yeah. So yeah, I well, that. I just learned something new. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we have these conversations, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like afterwards it was, I don't know, I just felt like I was, like, again, like, all alone. Because it's, like, all of the energy and everyone's so excited and everyone's like, congratulations, congratulations. And I just feel, like, terrible and so defeated. And, like, you know, why would anybody be congratulating me? Like, I'm such a failure. You're you not, know, though, baby, you're not a failure at all. You know, I, I know this is going to be hard for people to listen to the end of this, and I know there's going to be some speculations or comments that, once again, tell her that she's not a failure, and I'm going to tell her that, too, and we appreciate that, or I appreciate that. But, you know, ultimately, it is such a interesting thing because I still don't understand fully how Alex could feel that way. And, like, you know, obviously because I didn't go through it. And I and also for the simple fact that I just don't ever want her to feel like she's a failure because I know how hard she works for everything that she does and she deserves everything. You know, she deserves to have the highest praise and to, uh, you know, be successful in everything that she does, whether it's birthing a child or, you know, career based stuff, you know, our podcast, our, you know, YouTube channel, anything like that. But, uh, you know, Alex works so hard for everything. So. I just don't feel like that she deserves to ever feel like a failure. And that's where it gets me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, again, like you have no control over anything that happens after a certain point. You know, like, yeah, like all the planning and the preparation and the courses and the whatever, like, you know, at the end of the day, I did work very hard to have a particular outcome and then wasn't able to have that. Yeah, yeah. What would you do differently? And, like, say you were pregnant again, what would you do differently? How would you prepare yourself or try to prepare yourself for, say, <clears throat> for, say, you did have to have another C section or your birth didn't go to plan? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was just like be going in without all of these expectations of what you wanted it to be. Yeah. Because I think having the expectations sets you up for disappointment. Yeah. I, you know, this is obviously going to be like a little bit. One thing that I think about is whenever we would travel and whenever we put an expectation on something, it never became that thing that we wanted it to be or what we felt like that expectation was going to be. It was always much different. So I think that that's a a great a great point to make. Yeah. You know. And I think like from a lot of people who shared their stories with me after the fact, you know, it's kind of the same thing. It's like you can hope and wish and dream for whatever you want, but whatever's going to happen is what's going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and birth is so crazy and wild and there's so many variables and there's so many things that can go wrong, you know, and, you know, people die giving birth, you know, babies die giving well, birth. So I guess like, that it's would just, be. There's so many variables and you can have, you know, all of the essential oils and whatever, but like yeah. it's not going to change what needs to happen. So, and we are lucky that we have, you know, all this medical stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, you know, I'm glad that we're both healthy and, yeah. you know, everything worked out in the end, but it's definitely, I don't know. Like I, I do feel like let down. Yeah. I would say I'm like, you know, I feel for the people that have had, uh, experiences that were like even worse, you know, than just being let yeah. down in the well, sense. Well, and of, I mean, we know people who had natural births that went, you know, badly, and wrong, you know, yeah. the recovery has been terrible and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so it's like, you know, one of our friends has had both a C section and a natural delivery. And she's like, honestly, I don't know which is better because with the, C-section, it's horrible, you know, the recovery physically at first. But with a natural birth, she's like two months later, I'm still not right. You know, like things are still weird. So, you know, it's like pros and cons with everything. Yeah, for sure. And I would even go as far as to say, like, you know, you got to count your blessings. It's just so hard to count your blessings when you feel terrible. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But like... It could feel so much worse if we didn't have our baby with us today. Yeah. You know, it could feel so much worse for me if I didn't have either one of you today. Yeah. You know, and and I I guess that's where I get my my sense of feeling grateful for it all. I do get that. You know, you know, and I, I that is the hardest thing for me to, I guess, express um, because I know how hard and how much pain all the other things give you yeah and I, I mean at this point i'm definitely i feel a lot better about it yeah. usually like you know we were at a friend's house the other night and i didn't cry while we were talking about it and i feel like that's a win yeah um but like it's definitely as the physical body has been recovering mm-hmm. you know because that was really hard you know just not being able to do things not being able to like i don't know the recovery from a C-section is really intense. Uh, it's a major surgery. You're literally like cut open and then stitched back together. Like yeah. it felt terrible. Um, but every day gets a little bit better. And so as my body got better, my mood got better, you know, things started clicking more between Everly and I. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that all makes me feel a lot better about it. Mm -hmm. Do I wish that it had gone a different way? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it didn't. And it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, it's not like when adults are living their lives or even kids, it's like, oh, how were you born? Yeah, yeah. Were you a C-section baby? Ew. Or a natural birth. <laughs> yeah, like nobody Did cares. Did your mom have an epidural or not? Yeah. You know, like it, 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 none of that is questioned as long as the baby is here and you're both healthy. Yeah, like nobody cares. It doesn't matter at the end of the day. But yeah, so at the end of the day, we have, you know, our happy little family and we are 
planning for the future to be back on the road and to be traveling again soon, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, And I would, I just do want to say, Alex, I am extremely proud of you and the mother that you are becoming and the mother that you are is beautiful. And our baby absolutely adores you. And I could tell that every day, especially when she's screaming, crying, when I have her and I give it to you and she stops. (laughs) Uh, That happens in the reverse sometimes. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you always see it the other way, right? But I would even say the other thing is, too, is you're just you're very patient with her. You're very you're a very loving, caring mother. And um, I don't think Everly could ask for a better mom. Thank you. You're welcome, baby. You did great. Thank you. Yeah, with all that being said, we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Let us know what you think about it. Give us your thoughts on it. And we hope to be traveling with the baby. Oh, that's what we left out. What are our plans, babe? What are our plans for the future travel with the baby? So as you guys know, we have Sunny the Sun Raider, 1985 Toyota Sun Raider. Yep. And she is beautiful. And And she's been a project, but she is coming together. Yes. And so we're slowly but surely, I mean, you know, we thought that it was hard building while we were pregnant. It's so much harder building with a baby. I think I said something stupid along the lines of, when the baby's here, I'm going to have more time. No, it's the complete opposite. He said that my sister brought that up today. She was like, remember when you said that? I don't remember it. I was like, did I really say that? That was stupid of me. I think I kind of thought that. The baby would be sleeping more and I would have more time. But I didn't think about like the breaking up of the sleep. Like she sleeps for 30 minutes and then she's up and we have to take care of her. Right. And then she's sleeping in a weird place. And it's not like like when we're home and she just naps for hours. But like when we're at the build site, it's not like 15 minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes. You know, it's just not a consistent sleep. So it just makes it harder to get things done. And, you know, Alex and I do everything together. So it is definitely an experience. Yeah. And I mean, even, I don't know, like, would it be helpful for you some days to just go there by yourself and like crank it out, like, and not have me there? Um, yes and no, because there are certain things that it is nice to have a se- like second set of hands to mm-hmm. like hold. Like today I built that area in your sister's basement to help out over there. And um, sometimes you just need a second hand. I needed second hands to like be able to trace out a spot that I need to like freehand cut. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, luckily she came down or you came down while the baby was down or one of you just could watch her. Because yeah. sometimes um, the baby just needs you and it's like, well, I can't help you right now because this thing is crying. So, yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely I could get over there and, and do as much as I can. But there will be things where I'm like, damn, I need another hand, you know. So basically we are renovating the Sunrider. We're kind of in the last stretch of finishing the interior, making it look really beautiful, making it be really functional. And then the plan is to drive that vehicle down to Florida, um, have like a really nice road trip, get it down there and then find it a new home. Yeah, yeah. Put it up for sale. And in that meantime, we're going to start looking for a smaller bus. You know, that's the plan is to build something that's a little bit bigger and build it from scratch, like something that we could have the ability to build everything because then we could have. Everly have everything that she needs, like a car actual seat, so that way we could buckle in that, uh, you know, the baby seat and whatnot, and not have to worry about it being unsafe. Um, so, and then be able to build a crib and or bassinet style, you know, area, mm-hmm. a change and table, have lots of storage and things like that. Like the problem with the Sun Raider is that it's 
it's a classic camper. It's kind of like tiny, like for being a full RV with a toilet and a shower and a kitchen, you know, it has all of the things, Mm -hmm. but for a family of three, I think it's just a little bit too small. And especially for full time, like there's not enough storage spaces. And like when we build vans, we're trying to maximize every single nook and cranny, every Mm -hmm. single hidden shelf, hidden storage, you know, like, yeah. Every little bit is built. I'm even thinking about today, like, how will I build the crib and or bassinet, whatever, the area that we build for her to sleep in? How will I build it for it to be easy access to scoop her up and put her right in there or well, to get also, her out and change her? You know what I mean? Something like, that can grow with her, too. because like. We want this to be a long-term vehicle. So 100%. when she's one years old, two years old, three years old, yep. she's not. we can't just build a tiny little bassinet and yeah. then hope that that lasts. Well, I'm hoping by two we have her potty trained, you know, and <laughs> uh, maybe she'll be shitting in the woods somewhere, you know. Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> but so basically the plan is to build this bus out, a short bus. We don't want like a big, long one. No, no. And that but, might yeah. change down the road, too. You know, we might want more room for our family, so we might alt into that situation i mean who it might actually be easier just to finance an rv and then pay the monthly no way jose no no why because that's just money down the toilet well you still own the rv sure no (laughs) i'm just saying it's gonna take a real long time to build out a bus at the rate we're going okay that's fine uh challenge accepted we have the place to stay you know, um, don't get too comfy. I'm not getting too comfy, but what I'm saying is we have people around us and places that we could be in while we do these things to be able to build. We got to build. I, I know that I know that it's not going to get I'm not going to say it's going to get easier, but we're going to get better at doing what we do as parents. Yeah, I think it, we are definitely kind of catching our stride a little bit more. I don't want to like, I don't want to jump the gun. I think we're also realizing we could take her with us and just fucking do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we could just do it. Yes, some of the time. Yeah, and and there'll come a point where she's moving around by herself, you know, crawling around and, and stuff she's like that. She's almost more so. dangerous sometimes. Yeah, but, you know, one eye on her. And we have three <laughs> eyes on other things. No, right. I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I that's the plan. The plan is to get a bus, build out a bus, get ourselves back on the road uh, with the baby and travel around, giving her an experience that I think that's what makes it all worth it is being able to give her the experience that we had early on and, you know, letting her decide what she wants, whether she wants to be kind of stationary or nomadic uh if she wants to be in an area where she wants to make a group of friends and doesn't want to leave them we could also make that happen you know it's 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 an experience that we want to be able to to give her a bunch of different options in life Mm -hmm. yeah so that's kind of the the immediate plan is to basically get back on the road asap but we know how plans go (laughs) (laughs) yeah we just talked about how plans don't plan yeah, yeah. But I mean, all the other plans that we put on, um, they change, but they change for the better. And I think, you know, ultimately that might be the case for this one. Who knows? Uh, only somebody who could tell the past if it went a different direction or like show us the other path that would have happened knows. Um, and so we're just going to roll with what we got and love our baby as much as we possibly can, give her the best life we possibly can. And yeah, keep giving you guys out these podcasts and all the fun stuff that we can. 
Uh, just bear with us. We do have a baby on board. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to make every day an F&A day, and we hope that you guys do too. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Band Life YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, F&A Van Life. All that.